Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Under the haunting glow of the moon, a pall of fear enveloped the Navajo tribe, for a malevolent skinwalker roamed amongst us, a creature born of an ancient curse that left our settlement in the grip of terror. As the unsettling whispers echoed through our community, my heart as a young warrior named Reiki felt a calling an ancestral beckoning to confront the source of our dread. Guided by the spirits and stories passed down through generations, I embarked on a perilous journey to a sacred ground in the heart of present-day Oklahoma. Legend spoke of an ancient totem concealed in that hallowed place, an artifact believed to be a summoning ground for the Wendigo, the very entity empowering the malevolent skinwalker. The path was treacherous, winding through rugged terrain, guided only by the luminous stars above. The night air carried an ominous weight, and the distant howls of coyotes seemed to harmonize with the unsettling wind. Yet with each step, I clung to the tales of my ancestors, allowing their echoes to guide me toward the heart of the darkness that had befallen us. Sensing the presence of the Wendigo long before I reached the sacred ground, I felt its malevolence weaving through the shadows. The creature in its deceptive nature took on various forms, 
Shadows dancing in the moonlight, echoes of unseen footsteps and eerie calls that reverberated through the night. Yet my Navajo spirit, forged in the crucible of ancient tales and warrior teachings, would not waver. The Wendigo's attempts to instill fear only fueled the fire within me, transforming my apprehension into a steely resolve. Each step toward the sacred ground brought forth a symphony of fear and anticipation. As I neared the ancient totem, standing tall like a silent sentinel, the air thickened with an otherworldly energy. The Wendigo, growing desperate, intensified its attempts to unsettle me. Shadows twisted, and the night seemed to come alive with unseen malevolence. Yet I pressed on, undeterred. The confrontation unfolded beneath the silent gaze of the stars. The Wendigo emerged, a monstrous embodiment of fear and hunger, eyes glowing with an unnatural fire. Armed with my ancestral axe passed down through generations, I faced the creature head on, engaging in a battle that transcended the physical and delved into the spiritual. With a surge of strength and determination, I hurled my axe toward the ancient totem. The clash echoed through the night, a symphony of ancestral spirits colliding with the malevolence of the Wendigo. In that pivotal moment, the totem crumbled, and the Wendigo's guttural cry filled the air as its form dissipated into the ethereal void. Silence descended upon the sacred ground, the remnants of the curse carried away by the winds. I, Reiki, stood amidst the ruins of the totem, triumphant. The Wendigo's terror faded like a distant nightmare, and a profound calm settled upon the land. The Navajo tribe would know peace once more, and the legend of Reiki, the warrior who faced the shadows, would resonate in fireside tales for generations to come. I would like to make it clear that this encounter was not with the Yi Nald Lucii. However, it involves an indigenous medicine man who claimed to shape, shift into an animal. I share this story in this subreddit in case readers are interested in skinwalker-adjacent activities outside of the Navajo Nation. But if this is not the right place, I understand, as I do not wish to disrespect the dying culture. When I was living in Mexico in the mid-2000s, I was enrolled in a beginner's Reiki workshop. I was a teenager then, very curious about spiritual practices, but also very naive. After one of our sessions, the instructor told me that a native medicine man, who was also a Nihal shapeshifter, was going to host an event in our city. I begged my mom to take me to meet this man, and she agreed. We arrived to the hotel where the event was taking place, where I was introduced to this man, who called himself Knight Jaguar. He was a very normal-looking man who appeared to be in his early fifties, and he was very friendly and easy to talk to. I don't remember much of our conversation, but it involved mentioning places where medicine people and witches would gather for ceremonies. Before the conversation ended, he asked if I could provide him with my home address. In my naivete, I gave him my address, and he provided me with his email so we could keep in touch. I was thrilled with the idea of communicating and possibly learning from a Nihul medicine man, but I never heard from him again. It seemed like that was the end of it until weeks later, my dad storms into my room and tells me that he forbids me from talking to that damned Nihul again. At this point, I had given up on hearing from Night Jaguar and... I didn't understand why my dad would think we had been keeping in touch when we have not. I replied with okay, while wondering what was that all about. A long time had gone by when my dad told me what had led to his imposed moratorium on contacting Night Jaguar. One night, shortly after meeting Night Jaguar and giving him my address, my dad woke up from a deep sleep, feeling quite disturbed. In his own words, he felt as if there was a large and dangerous animal in his bedroom. One thing to know about my dad is that he has a keen sixth sense. He can see and feel energies around him. And although he couldn't see what was in the bedroom, he could feel that it was just observing, but more disturbingly, the energy. 
was especially interested in my mom, who was asleep next to my dad. Being unable to go back to sleep, my dad just got up and told whatever was there that he could feel it and that he knew what it was up to. The activity did not escalate and left soon after. Since my dad knew about my meeting with Night Jaguar, he deduced that the Nihuel was the source of the energy in the bedroom. Fortunately, that energy did not return after that night. After my dad shared about his encounter, I felt immense guilt as I placed my family in potential danger by foolishly giving our address to a complete stranger, Nahul or not. My family was lucky that the Nahul left us alone after that. I have read and heard about what kind of harm a witch and or a Nahul is capable of inflicting to families for a long period of time. Some people in Mexico believe that shape. Shifters can be good or evil, but after my family's encounter, I am weary of trusting anyone who claims to be capable of shape, shifting into an animal. If they are anything like ye now, Lucy, I wish to stay far away from them. If you made it to the end of the story, thank you for your time. I have been wanting to share this story for a while now. If you have any questions about this encounter, feel free to ask. July of 1995, we were dropped off to survive with a fixed amount of rations within the Pine Barrens of New Jersey. I was a new Marine. My fire team consisted of four other Marines, one Navy corpsman, and three enlisted Marines. The first night, I sent one of our group out to set up a watch rotation. The next day, he comes back scared as heck, shivering and wide-eyed. He refused to tell us what happened, so we forced him. He said he saw a thing as tall in the trees, covered in hair with big arms and red eyes. Our corpsman immediately set up a watch with him on it. That night, the corpsman went out to relieve whoever was on watch. As soon as he was out of sight, the corpsman comes sprinting back into our camp, wide-eyed and terrified. The look on his face when he said, you're not going to believe this, told us all we needed to know. That night, I got on watch, and he told me the story. He said that as soon as it was his turn to keep watch, he noticed a pair of red eyes a couple of feet from him. Whatever it was, it kept looking at the corpsman and growling. What happened next is a little fuzzy for me after all this time, but a corpsman said he couldn't see it anymore when his flashlight caught its eyes. He said that it was making these growling noises was large and black, and a big black cat or a bear of some kind. The night the corpsman went out to relieve whoever was on watch as soon as he was out of sight, the corpsman comes sprinting back into our camp, wide and terrified. The look on his face when he said, you're not going to believe this, told us all we needed to know. That night I got on watch and he told me the story. He said that as soon as it was his turn to keep watch, he saw a pair of red eyes a couple of feet from him. Whatever it was, I kept looking at the corpsman and growling. What happened next is a little fuzzy for me after all this time, but the corpseman said he couldn't see it anymore when his flashlight caught its eyes. He said that it was making these growling noises was big, black, and bare-like. He said it stayed right next to him the whole time, and when it stood up, he stood up. He said when he turned to run back to our camp, it began coming after him. He said the closer it got, the more he began running. He said he ran all the way back to our camp in record time. I remember us laughing because there was no way something could have chased him back. Well, the next day, we all went to look for tracks. It turned out that whatever it was, it was as tall as a man, and it had three-toed paw prints and really long claws on its toes. It may have been a bear, I don't know. After that, we never heard anything else, and we were all fine. We even saw the Navy corpsman a little while ago, and he remembered it like it was yesterday. So anyway, we're all fine, and we're out there, and the Navy corpsman goes out to relieve whoever is on watch again. Now it's the third day, so I'm kind of out of it at this point. I mean, we're seeing a lot of deer and turkey and other signs that there's wildlife here, so that's a good thing. While the corpsman is out there, everything's fine and dandy. We're all just sitting around talking about what we would do when we got out. 
The more I think about it, the more I wonder where he is. Just as some of us are about to stand up and go look for him, the dude who was on watch comes sprinting into our camp, saying that something's right behind him. We all look at each other and ask him what he's meaning, and that's when we all hear the growl. It sounds like a bear, but much deeper. Like a weird kind of bear that I've never heard before. It is very deep, like the sound you hear in the movies when there's a monster. What came next is something I'll never forget. It reminded me of when my grandpa showed me the Jersey Devil stories when I was a kid. We all drew our guns and waited for whatever it was to come into full view. We're all looking around for it. Then we see the corpseman. He's running toward us from his post, but there's something big and black following him. We all start yelling and the run faster. Whatever was following him was not stopping. It looked almost like a large cat chasing a mouse, but a cat in humanoid form. It was the same height as the corpseman when it stood up. It was taller than any of us. The next thing I remember is seeing something black pass in front of me. Then everything began moving slowly. It was like a scene in a movie where time slows down, and all the details are there. I could finally make out what was chasing him. It came into view. It was black, it was hairy, and had wings. I can't remember seeing any arms or not, but if they were, they were smaller compared to the rest of its body. Its face was feline, like having reddish-yellow eyes glowing. Then I saw its hands. They were almost backward, but had very long claws. In fact, they were most likely like talons, just very large. It kept running toward us, and the closer it got, the more noise it made. It was like this really loud hissing, mixed with howling. Just as it got closer to the corpsman, he tripped. He said something about seeing its claws going after him right before he fell. Right when the corpsman tripped, it flew up into the air. It started coming down fast. When it was just a few feet from him, I remember, that's when we got to him. There was blood everywhere. The thing was pissed and now dove down at one of us while trying to retrieve his body. I don't know if it was trying to take him back to its lair or wherever it is, but we're not going to let that happen. It dove at one of us, but we shot it down before it could touch him. But there was a lot of blood on the ground where he had been laying. After we shot it, it let out the scream and dove off into the trees away from us. We used this moment to grab his body pulling him back to our camp to attend to him. I remember talking about it with some of the other guys after the incident. We all believed that the thing was not from this world. We also remember what the corpseman said right before he was taken. He was screaming, but eventually passed away due to blood loss within minutes of this thing tearing him open. The only thing he managed to say before his death was, it didn't get me. Our training mission was then aborted within hours after this happened. We will never forget what happened that evening, and we all wanted answers. I can't remember why, but I have a feeling someone on our team knew what it was that took him down. It was so dark. I think one of our team members saw something. We were all wondering what it was that attacked us. I'm fairly certain that what we had encountered was indeed a Jersey Devil. I can't be sure, but I have this feeling we lost a good soldier that day. Don't let anybody feel with these fake stories that they're harmless. He was torn open and bled out. This was no ghost or folklore. The man's gone. It's an event none of us will forget. Personally, I won't step foot in the Pine Barrens again after all this. Oh, God damn it! I forgot the one that actually made him fall down clutching my heart. I was camping, and some of the group had gone off on a late-night stroll. After a while, me and a friend got bored and decided to go look for them. It was pretty much rolling grassland hills with few trees out there, so we figured it wouldn't be hard. It was also unearthly quiet, other than the occasional distant owl or coyote sounds so we were whispering and being very chill. There was pretty good moon, so we hadn't brought lights either. Anyway, I finally see someone standing under a tree on the crest of this hill, so I go up there first. 
I call out quietly and don't get a response. Again, no response. Kind of annoyed. I just strut up there, but I'm realizing something looks weird about this person I've been seeing. They're holding their arms over their head, and the proportions aren't right. But I think that was all kind of subconscious, because I didn't do anything different until I got close enough to see that it wasn't a person at all, but a coyote that someone had flayed and strung up to the tree by the limbs like some kind of totem. I literally fell backwards in shock. Turns out the woman who owned the property was no fan of coyotes coming after her livestock. She also woke us all up in the middle of the night once with sustained AR-15 fire, like 20 shots. Someone who lived near there just said, oh, she must have found a whole pack of them. Go back to sleep. This encounter occurred just south of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, in October 2018. I'm a professional photographer and work throughout the region. I have been fortunate to have a successful business, great clients, and beautiful landscapes to work with. I went out one spring day for a wedding engagement shoot. The couple had specifically chosen the abandoned Piney Fork Tunnel for the location. I was familiar with it, so I agreed. We shot at a few other sites first, and then I met them out there late in the afternoon for the best lighting. I picked a good spot and started working. Everything was running smoothly at first until we started hearing the sounds coming from somewhere inside the tunnel. It was long enough that it was dark in the middle, so we couldn't see anything past a few hundred feet. It sounded like someone was moving around in there. We tried to ignore it, and I just kept taking pictures, but the noises got louder like it was coming closer to us. The couple was now more uncomfortable, and they looked tense in the pictures, so I suggested wrapping it up, but they wanted to finish. I got in another few shots before we heard the growling. We stared into the tunnel, petrified. The sounds had been unsettling, though not actually concerning. But the deep growling meant something very different. It sounded large and threatening. After a quick discussion, we decided to leave and go to a backup location. I started packing my lenses as the couple walked to their car. The growling continued and sounded as if it was getting closer. There was also a scraping sound. I panicked, grabbed my stuff, and ran for the car. I got in and immediately locked the doors. The couple was already pulling out, but I had parked facing the other way and needed to turn around. As I did, there was a brief second where my running lights shined into the tunnel entrance. In that second, I saw the source of the sound. It was huge. It definitely was not a stray dog, and many times larger than a German shepherd, and it was standing on its hind legs, although it was bent forward. The beast was nearly seven feet tall. The head was covered in thick fur, and it had dog-like ears sticking up on the top of its head. I couldn't see the features clearly because it was too far away, but I saw the eyes reflecting in the light. The eyes had a deep orangish-red color. I had a, absolutely no idea what I was seeing, but it walked on two legs. Then I blinked, and it was gone. I followed the couple to the next location. When we got out, I asked them if they had seen the thing in the tunnel, but they said they hadn't. I wasn't sure if I should tell them what I saw because it sounded too crazy, even though they had heard the growling. I decided to keep the details to myself. We finished their session as fast as we could. A few days later, I was sorting through their photos, and I got to the tunnel photos. As I had predicted, most were not usable because the couple was too tense and uncomfortable in their poses. I looked through them carefully, trying to find the best ones to include not wanting the location to be a total loss. In the last few images, I saw something weird. It looked like a glare or a light flare over the guy's shoulder. I zoomed in and played with the lighting until I saw it more clearly. It was not a lens flare. It was two orange eyes in the darkness of the tunnel. They appeared in each of the last few photos, and it was proof of what I had seen. The creature in the tunnel was real. I knew that I couldn't include those in the portfolio, not knowing what was leering behind them.
I was out taking my dog on a short walk and to go to the bathroom. She was a rescue and was at this point terrified of everything, so getting her outside was always a task. It was 4 a.m. and she was whining at me. I figured she needed to go to the bathroom, so I put on some shoes and took her outside. It was a warm night as it was July in Missouri. I'm walking down the street from my apartment complex and I see a figure standing under a street light, not moving. Thinking it was just a guy out for an early morning run, I kept walking. That's when this figure started to move towards me in a weird fashion. He wasn't jogging, wasn't walking, it looked like skipping. Thinking to myself, uh, what the F? I stopped walking. That's when my dog started growling from behind my legs. I had had her almost six months and had never heard her growl or bark. I turned around and walked back into my complex. I looked over my shoulder and this dude is standing at the entrance to my apartment complex, head to toe in black clothing, grinning from ear to ear. I was fully in what the F is, this bullshit mode, and walked back into the complex further. While checking to make sure Smiles wasn't following me, I started to walk towards my entrance, and he turned and slipped away into the night. I went and talked to my landlord the next day, and she told me they'd had multiple reports of this guy skipping around the complex late at night, but whenever the cop showed up, he was gone. So this is a story from my dad. Believe it if you wish or don't. But I think that by the end of this post, you too will believe in the Sasquatch. My dad and his buddy were adventurous in their youth. They would often sneak out at night to go for walks, along with their pit bull bow. One night they were on a trail leading through the woods. They came to a point where thick vines growing overhead blocked out the moonlight. The path fell pitch black but my dad and his friend continued onward. They stumbled into some undergrowth and walked directly into a giant wall of hair. It grunted loudly and turned to face them. This creature stood up at least ten feet tall and staring directly into my dad's eyes. Now you may think it was a bear. They stand on their hind legs, right? You are correct, but bears don't run on two legs. This creature arose from its rest, and upon seeing the two buddies and their pit bull, took off into the woods. Bo gave chase, and my dad sprinted back home with his buddy. They stayed on the porch the rest of the night, listening to the sounds of barking in the distance, worried about the dog. The next morning, Bo returned, covered in mud and dog-tired. He slept all day and didn't move. The true hero of the story for protecting my dad and his friend... My dad didn't sneak out for another night walk for a couple months after that. He feared what might happen if he crossed paths with the beast again. And fortunately for him, he was going to find out soon enough the next time he left through his bedroom window to go for a walk. Once more, it is the middle of the night. My dad is out once more with Bo and his buddy. They steered clear of the trail they took the last time. They walked in fear, jumping at every noise they heard. They still shuddered at the thought of the last time they went out on a midnight adventure. They made it safely on their trip, but it wasn't until they made it back to the driveway that they saw it again. It was a shadow illuminated by the moon, standing tall and fierce. It turned as if it was searching for them, and for a short moment, zero. As if both the beast and the pair of friends were in disbelief that they were seeing each other again, Bo breaks the stillness and gives chase once again. My father seizes the opportunity to dive into some bushes with his friend. The beast runs by their hiding spot with the dog on its heels. They take this chance to make a break for the house. But when they look back, the beast turned around and was coming back towards them. Now back in the day, my dad could run a 40 in four seconds, and this thing was on his heels. They make it on the porch and climb on top of it. They thought they were in the clear, but the beast managed to get a handful of my dad's shirt and ripped it off. Bo had caught up at that point and chased the beast back into the woods. They never saw the monster again, but I may get the third sighting. We recently moved on to the property my father grew up on, and I am as adventurous as he was. Perhaps the beast will be seen again by myself.
We can hope so. And I will surely update this if I am ever given such a chance. I have spent many a night hiking in deserts and mountains and never felt uncomfortable or saw anything creepy until the time I looked up. I took a night hike to some petroglyphs not too far from Durango, Colorado. I was alone. It was about an hour hike, and it was just after midnight when I got to the petroglyphs. Checked them out, then sat on a ledge and busted out some summer sausage and my flask of whiskey. I look up to the sky, and way up there is a speck moving pretty quickly. I've seen this before and been told it's the International Space Station or a satellite. So I'm watching it zoom across the sky, thinking how cool it is, when it suddenly reverses direction. My mind is doing mental gymnastics trying to figure it out. Maybe two satellites passed each other and I lost sight of the one I was originally watching. Except it happened again and it went back the other way on a slightly different course. I actually stood up and said, what the F you? I don't know much about space, but I felt really uneasy watching that white speck way up there doing that. Like my mind is seeing something it knows shouldn't be happening. And then I felt a sense of dread, which was bizarre. And then I lost sight of the speck completely and hightailed it back to my truck. A few summers ago, I was canoeing in the boundary waters with some friends. A few days into our trip, at least two days of paddling from the nearest entry point, we found the creepiest campsite on an island. There was brand new abandoned camping equipment everywhere, like a sleeping bag and camping pad. Throughout the campsite, sticks with the ends charred had been stuck in the ground. In the remains of the fire was a heavily charred toothbrush, along with the remains of a wallet, glasses, papers, and some clothes. The creepiest part was near the edge, where a single petrified moose altar had been wedged between some boulders and surrounded by charred sticks in a circle. We got the hell out of there and as far away as we could before night. One of the creepiest things I've ever seen. It looked straight out of a horror movie. A few years ago, I was backpacking in eastern Washington with some friends of mine. I don't know how well you guys know eastern Washington, but it's pretty much dust, sagebrush, and dirt. We decided to hike up onto the top of this canyon, and from up there you could see miles and miles of straight nothing. After a few hours of traversing the top of the cliff, we eventually found a little crevasse that kind of took us a little ways underground into a pretty decent-sized cave. The cave was filled with little bones, like mice and bats. In one of the corners of the cave, there was a rock fixture that jutted up from the ground and almost made a separate room, so to speak. In the room, we found lots of scratches on the walls, photographs, and three bottles with notes in them. While this was kind of off, putting on its own, we figured it was just some sort of joke and we'd find silly SOS. Notes in the bottles. The scariest part about it all was the photographs were super ordinary, of families and normal people, and two of the notes in the bottles made no sense at all. While it was English, it was pretty much straight gibberish. None of the words made sense in context with the other words. The third bottle had a super-ordinary letter talking about what they'd been up to, something you'd send to a fairly distant relative after not talking with them for a while. I don't really know what to think of it all. I feel like it could easily have been someone just joking around, but it was almost too strange for that. I did a solo bike tour across the United States, so I wasn't exactly hiking. I was in eastern Kansas, pretty close to the Missouri border, and I spotted a park in a town that looked pretty secluded, so I decided to camp out there for the night. I started wheeling my bike over to the gazebo where I was going to stay when this dude pulls up in a beat-up Ford Taurus. He gets out and comes over to me asking if I had any money. 
telling me how his girlfriend ruined his credit and was now with another man. He said he was trying to make his way back to South Dakota. I got a... Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Really weird vibe from the dude. He kind of seemed like some sort of junkie. He asked me where I was headed, and he offered to drive me if I would pay for gas. I explained what I was doing, and that it kind of defeated the purpose. He looked dumbfounded, got back in his car, and sped off through the park. I camped out there, and the next morning when I got up, his car was there, and he was just looking at me. I didn't even have breakfast. I just got the F out of there. It was June 1st, 2015, at approximately 2.30 in the morning. I was sitting up in my bed after a girlfriend of mine had just left. The next thing I knew, a bright blue light was shining through my slider, and I was laying flat on my back, completely paralyzed. I think I could move my eyes, but I'm not sure. Then there were three four to five foot tall beings at the end of my bed. Their faces seemed kind of blurry, or maybe it's my memory of it. The one in the middle was talking to me in my voice, but inside of my head. I was trying to scream or even just move, but I couldn't. I just remember it telling me that everything was going to be fine. They're not going to hurt me. I asked them what they wanted. They said they just had to run a few tests, and in the blink of an eye, the other two beings were on both sides of me. The two of them put their two fingers underneath my lower back and my shoulder, and I lifted out of the bed as if weightless. Then they floated me towards the sliding door, and the flash of blue light took me out. After that, all I remember was a cold table and feeling very uncomfortable. Then suddenly I was back in my bed, sitting up, and it was 4.30 in the morning. I have a strange circle scar on my arm and three small scars in the shape of a triangle on my groin. Since then, I have seen a bright, orange fireball floating across the sky in my backyard and I wake every night at 3.30 and can watch the clock change if this is just a dream. It was the most traumatic dream I've ever had in my life and I hope my kids don't have these dreams. I live in West Yarmouth, Massachusetts. For the past month, I've been finding footprints all over my horse farm. I first found them behind my big garage, not far from my horse pasture. Now I've been finding them in my horse's pasture. The first time I found them in my horse's pasture, they were a little bigger than my foot and my horse's tracks are with them. I believe the creature is chasing my horses. Yesterday, I found footprints in my front pasture, and I saw juvenile and big footprints. After I gave my yearling a bath, I saw all these footprints by our horse's water tub by the fence line in our yard. They were small and big prints where you can see toes and heel outlines. One was odd to me where it could look like a huge dog print. I don't know. It had toes prints. It has scared me so much. I have purchased a security camera to get the creature on video. We have heard stories there in the area, cryptids. One person that saw them said that they're big, black, hairy creature. This person deer hunts from a tree stand five minutes from our house. And the other person saw them in their vehicle's headlights late at night on back roads. It was big, hairy creature. They believe Bigfoot. It's not far from our property, five minutes away. And when this person went coon hunting, they heard vocalization, whooping, and fled from the area after hearing this sound. I've heard weird noises in the night from inside my house, and many times I hear weird sounds from my bedroom window. One night, something was outside my bedroom window and scratching on the screen and trying to open my window. 
If I didn't bar my window, it would have got in. Even when I changed rooms, it followed me outside to the different bedroom and started scratching the window screens in that room. This encounter happened this year. I live in Newark, New Jersey, and like exploring old abandoned buildings and locations. Back in May 2023, I was at the old Essex County Jail, which has deteriorated beyond recognition. There are walls falling down and holes in the ceiling. The entire complex has been left in ruins. It's also a place where squatters and homeless people have moved in throughout the years, but they usually leave quickly. I've been wanting to go in there for a while, so I strapped on my GoPro and headed up one weekend. I plan to spend a full night in the jail. The locks on nearly all of the gates have been cut, and there are gaps in the fences, so it was easy to access. There is also a dirt road that leads into the place. I took my time walking along on the dirt road, then entering the buildings because I wanted to get some decent shots of the exterior. Once inside, I ventured all over the jailhouse. I soon understood why so many people were creeped out by the place. It was absolutely disgusting and putrid from the transients coming and going. I decided to make my way to the lookout tower, which was the most comfortable area I could find. I could see my car in case there was a problem, and I had a great view of the entire facility from there. Once it got dark, I got as cozy as I could in my sleeping bag. At around midnight, I was woken by a loud banging noise. I grabbed my lantern and adjusted the knob to make it brighter. Then I had a clear look at the cause of the racket. A huge figure with giant wings flung itself against the window of the lookout tower. The entire room shook and I heard the glass starting to crack again. It hurled itself at the window. The thing was terrifying. It had large red eyes that glowed in the light of my lantern. The body was black and covered in hair. The wings were bat-like and maybe 15 feet wide. It was massive. I was shocked by the sight, so I started to run down the stairs of the lookout tower to get away, but I stumbled and dropped my lantern. It crashed on the steps. I was in total darkness. The banging had stopped. Then I heard the thing take flight on its powerful wings, and soon it was gone. I believe that the creature was a mix of a moth, a bat, and a human. Seriously, I believe the light from the lantern attracted it. Since that night, I've talked to other urban explorers who have mentioned the Batman in Newark. I had never heard of it before, but apparently others have. Have you ever heard of this creature? In December 1986, I was serving in a battalion of the, uh, of the Italian army in Bolzano. As I usually did in my off-duty time, I was strolling through the city, which at that moment was beautiful to visit and see. It was nighttime and Christmas time, and the buildings were festooned and decorated. The city itself was full of life, with many people around for shopping at a given moment. I had the impression you feel when someone is staring at you. I turned my eyes and looked, and in that moment my blood turned to ice. This thing from only about a meter or so away was watching me. I could hear it breathing. Its eyes, which were cold and blue, were burning inside me as if he was browsing through my soul. It lasted maybe a second, more likely even less than the blink of an eye, and it turned into a rather attractive forty-something year old woman wearing a fur coat. The scariest thing was she was smiling at me with ice-cold blue eyes. I got away as fast as possible and didn't turn back. This was the scariest thing that's ever happened to me. The eyes of that thing were the same color blue as the eyes of the woman, very light blue. The place was full of people, yet no one showed any signs that they noticed anything but me. I never mentioned this incident to anyone for years, just buried it. The first person I mentioned it to was my fiance. This is not a joke, and I don't do any drugs. When I turned around, the beast was sitting on a park bench. I'm 6'4", 3", and this thing looked bigger than me, but the woman appeared to be of normal height, 5 foot something. She had shoulder, 
length dark blonde hair, the same color as the beast. I'm no wimp, I can tell you that much, but I almost crap myself. I could see the muscles of the creature underneath the blonde hair. It was slowly gathering itself up beneath itself like it was preparing to jump down my throat. Solid muscles, veins, tendons, I could see it all. I knew that it was real, believe it or not. I'm still too scared to think about it after all these years, and the scariest part was the woman wanted me to get closer. As I said, I buried this memory for years, surfaced with my fiancé, who also had some weird paranormal experiences, asked me if I could believe that she sees such things. I thought it was a demon, not hunting for flesh, but rather for souls, if that word makes sense to you. I'm not religious, but I know that thing was evil. I felt that much the beast was the scariest thing I ever saw, but the woman was somehow scarier with her bedroom eyes that come hither smile like a scene straight out of the twilight zone or something, and what creeped me out most was that she evidently was showing herself only to me on a busy downtown street and no one else. Thanks for letting me get this off my chest. It's been bothering me for 40 years. Hope it helps someone. Years ago, I had an experience that could have been straight out of an X-Files episode. I used to visit this younger woman at her apartment, who I tutored her in math because I needed the money. We didn't have a relationship or anything like that, but she would stare at me while I talked. Like she wanted to make eye contact rather than look at the formulas. I brushed it off as an attempt at unserious fling from her end because at the same time she talked about the man in her life who lived abroad. She had told me she was 20 years old and looked the part and went to college, but she would most strangely talk like she had been born 100 years ago or more. But now, and here is the weird part, the following was what happened the last day I went to her apartment. I came to her apartment at 2 p.m., as I used to, she opened and she dressed all in a black tight tracksuit. During the following two hours, her face would become more and more red. While I explained math to her, it was like she was sick or something. Would try to lock her eyes with mine, forcibly. When it came time to leave, then it was the paranormal stuff happened. We were in the hall of her apartment when she suddenly stopped talking, while she was in front of her door and it was like the size of her eyes changed. Plus, it was like she was trying to hypnotize me, and her eyes became almost vampire, animal-like, believe it or not, but it was like her face almost changed for seconds, and a grin appeared like it was a demon I was standing in front of. I remember saying I wanted to get out, and after saying it three times, she snapped out of it and came back. I was able to get her to move from the door, and I was able to leave, some would say who don't believe in the paranormal. They say it was just a weird attempt of sex, and maybe it was. But still to this day, to quote the American lady in the plain video, that mother F wasn't really human. Has anyone here ever experienced something similar? Hello. This incident took place in October 2020, one in Rochdale in Greater Manchester, United Kingdom. I lived alone after breaking up with my ex. I spent most of my time in the evenings upstairs playing video games and watching YouTube videos. I didn't really have much of a social life, but that was okay with me. I'd never felt uneasy in my own house until the time when this incident took place. I would walk into the kitchen at night to make a drink. My kitchen window looks out at my overgrown garden, which in turn overlooked the woods. It's a rural neighborhood, and it is very quiet at night, which makes it a friendly environment for some wildlife to come out. I would often see foxes and deer. At night, when the lights are on, I can barely see more than a few feet ahead of the window, as it acts sort of like a mirror. On this particular night, the few feet ahead of me that I could see was all this thing needed to make itself visible to me. I hadn't noticed it until I looked up and out of the window after making my drink. It was a bipedal creature, skinny but quite tall with hind legs and no hair. 
It sounds ridiculous to mention this, but it looked similar to the werewolf Lupin transformed into the prisoner of As Gay Band movie, only taller and more humanoid. Its mouth was tiny but protruded, similar to a canine's. It had no ears from what I could see. It just stood there looking at me with these completely white, tiny eyes. Its head was tilted to the side and its bottom jaw was slightly gaped. I didn't know how long it had been there. I was in the kitchen for about a minute before I even bothered to look out the window. I just froze. You'd think you can rationalize what you do in a situation like this, but I was frozen in terror. I was thinking myself to move, but my body felt icy cold. After like 15 seconds, even though it felt much longer, I managed to move and ran out of the room, not daring to take my eyes off the creature. As I did so, its head rotated to follow me as I ran to the comforts of the upstairs. After all this time, I still have not gone into my kitchen at night except for a few necessary occasions. I prepare everything I need before it gets dark and then stay upstairs for the rest of the night. If I absolutely need to go into the kitchen, I'll rush in so that I can get out of SAP. You know that feeling you get when you turn all the lights off before you have to go back upstairs and feel like you're going to be chased by some unknown entity. That's the feeling I get when I need to go into my kitchen at night. To this day, I know instinctively that the werewolf creature is still watching me. My current boyfriend believes I'm imagining the beast, but he won't go out at night when he visits. I have asked people who I trust to offer their opinions about this creature, but I know that none of them really believe me. I have considered moving, but I love this house. After my father's passing on August 8th, an inexplicable occurrence transpired last night. I penned the following account immediately at around 5 a.m. with minor revisions to address punctuation and grammatical errors. I had dozed off on my mother's living room couch, the TV droning on. I had tucked my phone beneath my pillow, resting under my head. Roughly an hour seemed to have elapsed when I sensed my phone vibrating as if a call was incoming. I groggily glanced at the screen, and Peanut was the caller. With a drowsy hello, I answered. A voice came through, laden with static but unmistakably my father's, exclaiming his signature, Hey, in a tone of slight amazement, as if surprised it had worked. Overwhelmed, I muttered, Oh my God, hey. He explained that his phone was malfunctioning or unresponsive, leading him to dial from Peanut's phone. He shared, I've been trying to call everyone. I just wanted to tell you I love you and I'm safe, he continued, mentioning a room number four. The digits were three and initiated with a four. I reciprocated the sentiment, expressing my love and relief at his safety. I requested him to repeat the room number due to the static in the TV's blaring volume. He echoed the I love you and I'm safe, followed by the room number, which once again got muffled by interference in the TV's clamor. Concluding with an, I love you too, Dad, I don't recall the call's conclusion, but I woke up in the exact environment from my dream, bewildered by the events. A few additional details. His voice carried a semblance of his sickly tone, though improved. The TV program was family feud prior to my slumber, transitioning into an infomercial, persisting into my dream and resuming upon my awakening. The identity of Peanut remains a mystery within my family circle. Me, 19 male, and my friend, 19 newbie, were walking home from a walkout to In-N-Out around 10 to 11 something p.m. We decided to take a cut through that runs by a local food co-op and some railroad track situated behind the food co-op. The cut through would lead you straight to the railroad tracks behind the food co-op. As we approached the food co-op, I saw the silhouette of what looked like a man leaning or hunched over. Almost like how in some zombie media, 
the zombies sleep hunched over while standing up, or sort of like how some people on heavy amounts of opioids look as they're nodding off while standing up. Its head, face was facing the ground at a slant, and its back was ever so slightly slumped, arched. At first I was just confused about why a man would just be hunched in front of the railroad tracks like that. Other than that, I oddly enough thought nothing of it. I may have been a bit zoned out as I struggle with mental illness, and I often zone out, sometimes to the point where I just forget where I'm walking, and whoever I'm walking with at the time has to direct me where to go. The meds don't help with not being all there mentally either. Although when working effectively, they'll either reduce or completely suppress the chatter in my head that makes me zone out. Once it started to move into the light, I gradually started to realize something was off about it. I forgot if it was moving in an odd way or not, but it just seemed off. This is when I started to realize something wasn't right. The figure had its arms stretched upward in a weird way. It looked lanky, and its arms looked longer than they should be. Its proportions were just off. It looked semi-dark grayish. Once I saw the figure's arms, long outstretched upwards and moving in an unnatural way. I paused for a second, then told my friend to book it. Pretty sure I also yelled cryptid. And we booked it to the part of the street that intersected with the closest street away, parallel from the street the co-op was on. I looked back in the direction the figure was first seen. It began approaching a person on a bike who was biking slowly in a sort of aimless way, slow to the point that he couldn't keep the bike steady and was sort of swerving to keep it upright. The person on the bike didn't seem to react, seemed to care, or simply wasn't concerned. At this point, the figure was practically on top of the person on the bike, and the person on the bike began slowly pedaling in our direction, still swerving to keep it upright at the same slow pace. This actually might happen before we ran, but either way, we began walking further away. Before we turned the corner, the bike changed directions and began heading south down the street that was east of us and by the co-op. The figure's arms were now, and had been, since it approached the bike, outstretched in a weird action figure-like stance with its upper arm slanted forwards, downwards and slightly outward and its forearms extending directly forward. I wonder why the guy on the bike wasn't phased. For all I know, the figure was actually just a person in poor lighting. Or perhaps the guy on the bike was going slowly, as he feared the figure would chase him if he went too fast too quickly. My friend thinks the figure was just a guy carrying water for the guy on the bike, but they stated that they never saw much of the figure, whereas I noticed it more. Something doesn't seem right about that explanation. I couldn't tell if it was wearing clothes or not as the lighting was poor. I caught either light glimmering off its torso or a vague impression of a bluish shirt. But given the figure's proportions and the way it held something was off, the whole carrying water for bike guy theory doesn't seem right as it was just hunched over by the train tracks before it approached the guy on the bike and it seemed to wander aimlessly around before approaching the guy on the bike. It seemed taller than normal for most humans, too, but that could just been my imagination. Here's a bit of the backstory. From late 2003 to the summer of 2005, my husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, and I lived in a haunted apartment in the Lakeview neighborhood of Chicago by the corner of Melrose and Broadway. When we first moved to this apartment, I often felt like I was being watched and sometimes had a sense of unease. But I was young, 23, when we first moved in and a senior in college, so I blamed the feelings on stress and the layout of the apartment, which was a typical Chicago 4 plus 1. We were on the second floor, right over the garage, and our living room window faced the living room window of another. Apartment? That apartment and mine almost always kept the blinds shut. At the time, I did not believe in the paranormal. I'm the sort that has to see something myself before I believe it, and once I do see it, I analyze it endlessly. I went to bed one night, but as usual, could not fall asleep quickly. 
Our two cats normally went to bed with me, but they didn't on this night. After a while, I sat up in bed and looked out the bedroom doorway. I can see the dining room area from the bed, and if the cats were playing, they would inevitably end up in that area. Our apartment was very small, maybe 700 square feet, if that, and the dining area was kind of central to the apartment layout. I hoped I would see them so I could call them to me. It was dark, but not pitch dark, because the apartment's windows let in the dim light from our neighbors across the way, as well as typical large city light pollution. So thanks to this light, my eyes quickly adjusted to the gloom. That's when I realized there was a very dark black, the blackest black you can think of, blacker than black, even like velveteen tar. Mass just passed where the apartment's very brief hallway ended and the dining area started. It was around seven feet high and had a rough head and shoulder, torso shape, but the rest of it kind of faded off. I wasn't alarmed at first. If anything, I leaned forward to try to get a better look because I absolutely couldn't believe my eyes. I was baffled, but when I leaned forward and gawked at this thing, it seemed to turn and look at me. And when it did... I saw two red eyes in the head. I did not see any other features, and I don't remember if the eyes were glowing or just plain red, but they were indeed red. When the thing looked at me, my amazement was quickly replaced by a deep primal fear, and then it swooped through the bedroom doorway and towards me. I did the only thing I could think of, and that was duck under the covers like a kid hiding from the boogeyman. I have been in some scary situations in my life, but that particular fear was almost unearthly. The feeling reminded me of the intense terror you feel when you realize the monster in your nightmare has spotted you. After several moments, I began to run out of air beneath the covers, so I decided to elbow my sleeping husband in the ribs hard enough to irritate him and make him wake up, sit up, roll over, do something. It worked, and when he didn't react strangely, I figured the thing was gone. And it was. I and later, my husband saw the shadow again, but it never appeared remotely as threatening. Altogether, I saw the spirit there three times. It took me years to come to terms with this experience. The closest explanation I could come to was sleep paralysis, but other than the apparition looking similar to some of the hallucinations reported during sleep paralysis, there were no similarities to sleep paralysis. I had yet to fall asleep at that point and was able to move freely. The fact my husband later saw a black mass during waking hours, and I saw something else when I was awake also helped me come to the conclusion that what I experienced wasn't due to sleep paralysis. With the assistance of the Chicago History Museum Research Center, I did research on the property and building. The apartment building was built in the early 1970s. Before that, a Jewish academy was on that site. Sometime before that, in 1940, a house that was on site burned down with no injuries or deaths. That house was once inhabited by a large family. One of their sons was a Marine that died of disease while deployed overseas during World War I. There's no record of the exact dress prior to that. I also sent a message to the property management company asking if anyone has ever reported anything related to a haunting or the paranormal. I had a hunch that the spirit moved throughout the whole building versus staying in my apartment and I fully expected either a no or no response from them. But to my surprise, the guy responding said he would check with people in the office and get back to me. A couple days later, he said, actually, I've been told that they were aware of the situation, but haven't had any reports of strange activity in a few years. Hope this helps. fairly short story, and if anyone has any input on this, I'd love to hear it. For context, I live in a relatively safe area, but still on the cusp of a much less safe area. Anyways, I'd been out on a walk for a good couple hours and was walking along the sidewalk of a road at around 9.30 and completely dark out. Cars on this road are traveling about 40 miles an hour sometimes a little more, and don't stop for a while until there's an intersection way back. 
Other than that, there is nowhere to turn or safely stop. I was walking on this path, passing occasional cars. I was not taking a route I'm very familiar with back home, so I looked at my phone for any upcoming paths I could take that would allow me to get home faster without having to follow the road much further and ultimately have to walk longer. I saw a trail off the sidewalk that, and at the time of noticing it was coming up, I was a few hundred feet from it. I slowed to get to it and then walked a few yards onto the path. Given how dark it was, I was trying to take it on slowly, but still at a walking pace. For a little bit, I hadn't seen a car until then. I had heard it driving up on the right side, side I was walking on with the bike lane and and an elevated sidewalk separating the driving lane. The car slowed slightly, but then came to a very abrupt stop a few yards ahead of where I had gotten off the sidewalk. Having heard the brakes and the sound of the car, I turned to look and saw the car stopped completely with the engine still running. The driver's door opened, which I could barely see because the passenger side was facing my direction. I didn't see anyone come out, though. Upon seeing and hearing this, I immediately turned and sprinted into the dark. I ran on that path, and it's a miracle I didn't trip and bite the dust. When I got out of the path, I ended up in a parking lot that led into a street, and from there I eventually figured out how to get back home by foot. I didn't see the car or anyone following me after that. So this is hardly an encounter. It was brief, and I'm not too sure what it was. My gut instinct was to just bolt and keep running until I felt safe enough to slow down. Anyways, if anyone has any thoughts on what this might have been, please don't shy from telling me your input and or if it's worth reporting. Benefit of the doubt, I'm saying maybe they thought I was lost or it wasn't safe for me to be walking alone at night, but my gut was telling me danger. For details about the car, if it's important. I'm not sure what model it was, but it was a boxy sub and sort of looked like a copperish brown color. Maybe a Honda Pilot, but I only saw it for a couple seconds, so I can't be sure. 